What's up, guys? Welcome to the Make My Day podcast. I'm George Lahav, joined by my co-hosts, Winston Moy and Luke Capretti. Hey, Luke, how you been, man? I'm doing pretty good. Yep, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Summer <laughs> is right around the corner for us. Um, Adrian and I, we have some big uh, trips planned, so oh. I'm just... I'm getting super excited for the summer and Memorial Day weekend will be that little taste that I need to get me through the end of the school year. Uh, but what about you, Winston? Uh, can't complain. Everything's been really busy, but life is good. The garage is slowly coming together, so uh, I'm, I'm in a good place right now. I've been seeing your garage uh, updates on Instagram. I've been in- insanely jealous at how much like detail it seems like you've thought out and put into it because it all looks so well laid out and clean and like ready to go so nice job man (laughs) thanks thanks it's been a slow discovery process actually like i used to share a garage with my aunt and like it was a two-car garage and i figured like oh i'm moving into half that space but i'm discovering that i actually feel like i have less storage space because that garage had like uh, like a built-in cabinet and workbench uh, on one wall. And then like I had my like little rolling tool cart thing and I could just walk to the other side of it. But if I, if that cart's pushed against the wall, like I don't have that other side facing me. Mm-hmm. So like there's that like little bit of space, like just that access from the other side um, that I didn't really account for. So <laughs> I've got to like rethink everything and make the organization on the wall just a little bit more efficient. So um, that's why I've been going through a really meticulous process of figuring out what I want where um, so that I can like try and minimize like the number of cabinets and things I need to buy to mount everything. That makes sense. Honestly, that's one thing I didn't realize at all with my workshop was like how nice it is to have like cabinets in a shop for like just storing stuff away or like all I have are like drawers with like, you know, like a tool chest or something and like they're just a mess. But like. It would have been nice to have like one of those really nice wall storage systems by like some <laughs> company that you could just like have everything placed away and that way it's like not out and like you're not always looking at it while you're working. I kind of kind of wish I thought that through. <laughs> so do you guys think that cabinets with doors are as important as just open shelving? Like, is there a benefit to being able to close it off? I think it's like a peace of mind thing, right? Well, there's two in my mind. Like, there's a peace of mind of, like, you don't get to see it, so it's, like, seems cleaner, like, your head space is a little better, but also, like, keeping sawdust off of everything, right? So, like, if everything's out there and they're open, like, eventually it will build up, like, a layer of sawdust on top of it, and I'll do, like, the whole, you know, blow dry it out type of thing with the leaf blower as much as you can, but... I think that would be nice if you could just open everything up and there's not like a layer of sawdust built around everything. <laughs> Never thought of that. I, I think yeah. you need a balance because one of my favorite features from my aunt's garage is whoever used to be there must have been at least like a little bit handy because like they had a, a pretty stout workbench. Uh, I think they left behind like a little drill vise. Um, but one of their cabinets, it was like two layers. Like um, there was a, a cabinet with a, a door on it but it was only half depth and that whole half could swing out like a second door. And so there was just like really shallow storage there and it's perfect for like, uh, they had pegboard on the back of it. So you just put little hooks and you hang all your tape on it and you open it and you'd be like, oh, oh. that's my electrical packing tape, masking tape, duct that's tape. Phenomenal. Um, and it didn't take up a lot of space because it, it was a thin, like shallow cabinet. And I, I really wish I could replicate that here um, but I'm going to go for just like pegboard on the wall. 
Um, the only saving grace there is that that's going to be closest to the door and like furthest from the CNC, so it should be fairly clean. Um, but one thing I've learned working in a machine shop is like aluminum chips and like plastic and like dust will just stick to the sides of your rolls yes, of tape I was gonna say and that. make them super gross. <laughs> that is that is the worst because then if you go to like package something, it's like there's just like if you want it to look nice, like a shipping box even, or just use it for whatever purpose, you have this like little layer of like sawdust built up on it. Or if, it, if it's like a wood chip, it's even worse. Cause then like, if you're like using for a CNC, it's not even anymore. Cause your, your duct tape isn't just thin. It's like, that's the worst to me. I, that those go in the drawers now I've realized. Cause I, I used to hang them up on a pegboard and they would just grab every particle in the air and just stick to the sides. <laughs> It, it's so funny the things that you guys have thought of because for me with tape i have a tape drawer in my kitchen which kind of uh, doesn't make sense because like how often do you really use tape in the kitchen but like that's where my painter's tape is um any tape that i would use for say the glow forge um duct tape like all that kind of stuff so it's like oh yeah that's true if you put anything sticky outside oh there's so much stuff that it could <laughs> stick to but yeah it's like oh I guess, yeah, having it there is more accessible instead of having to bring all the sawdust on you exactly. inside the house to go get some tape. True. Yeah. But I know yeah. I want to get rid of the cabinets in my garage. That's why I was asking you guys, figuring you'd have a good response. Um, but yeah, my, my cabinets to me, it's too bulky mm -hmm. having the doors. And then in a small space, like even opening up the doors, some the way they had them is like two of the doors would hit each other. So uh, you kind of have to like one time move or... the one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I've just thought like, Oh, open cabinets and I can rearrange it, move it around, uh, make it how will work the best um, as I figure things out. But now I'm second guessing myself and wondering, you know, maybe that door something that covers everything inside there would be a good idea. The other thing I'd recommend putting inside a cabinet are uh, like shop towels, microfiber towels, yes. and like paint brushes, mm. that kind of stuff. You probably do want to keep uh, enclosed, but everything else I usually put on a shelf. And like um, when they're on sale, you go to Costco or something, get a bunch of like clear tubs, just put a label on it. Yeah. And so I've got one for like uh, car stuff, like my car washing stuff, just put it on a shelf, uh, like uh, electronics projects, put that on in its own little box. And so I could pull them out as I need for my projects and drop them on my workbench. Uh, so that's another way just to keep things kind of clean, um, but also keep them like all visible um, when you're just going through the garage and browsing, like, what do I feel like working on today? Or like, hey, I need some LEDs. Um, so highly recommend a lot of bins too. I hope you make a tip video, Winston, because I feel like I could learn a lot from just like how you go about doing it versus how I do it. So I could just do it better at the next shop. <laughs> I'll probably great. have to do a shop tour video once my uh, my garage is semi-functional. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. So we well, uh, we did have a topic for today. Do we want to jump yeah, into no. kind of a topic? I was going to say, I think we've got a good segue because of all the 3D printing you guys have been doing. And then with Winston's thoughts or, you know, I wouldn't say it's overthinking, but detailed thinking of where everything <laughs> goes in the shop. Have you guys made any custom parts uh, using your 3D printers or do you have any plans now as you kind of think through your organization system? of uh you know like hey i could potentially use this as a bracket mm -hmm. or um container for nails screws whatever it may be bits 
Um, I'm curious yeah, so. to see what Winston. So, so Winston and I both now have the Bamboo Bamboo Labs X1 Carbon, both purchased, not like sponsored or nothing. But we saw, we both saw all the advertisements and people's reviews, and it's a hell of a printer. I mean, it's 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 um, night and day difference compared to anything I've ever used ever at at the price point. It's like really accessible. I've been just bragging on to everybody because if they could if they could swing for it i would get it like it's it's nice like i mentioned like the lidar sensors the second you put your print in it'll tell you if it's wrong it'll it'll auto adjust the bed for you so you just hit go and you have peace of mind and and it just let it run and you don't have to like do all the fixes so i'm 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 chunking out stuff every day now now i'm doing like mini mini figs models because i've always wanted to do that and this lets me get that type of little detail but from like a shop reorg standpoint I do think I'm gonna end up doing like, um, like CNC bit organizers that are 3D printer that are kind of sized at the right holes. And then um, one thing I've created that I'm selling is a magnetic dust uh, collector port. Um, so it's this printer is phenomenal with this. So I, I put in. I put in a model that I created for just like a four inch dust hose port. And then I tell it to stop at um, a certain layer where I have holes embedded in the design so I can put the magnets and then it finishes the print. So the magnets are like embedded within these dust collectors so that when you're switching your dust collection from like one to the other, all you do is line it up and it magnetically attaches and then ready to go to the next one right off the bat. So I actually started selling them because I made a video on it and everybody kept asking for like, hey, do you, can can I buy this from you? And it's it's awesome that like I could actually, like I made something for myself that I love and a lot of people want it and now I'm just chunking them out on this this 3D printer. So that that's probably like, the number one dust um, tool thing I've made for the shop out of the 3D printer so far. That's awesome. That I love. Nice. How about nice. you, Winston? What you got up there? Well, since I like, I, so I just recently put up some wall control, and um, that's by the door because, um, like, the way um, you enter the garage, it's a door from the kitchen, and it's on the left side wall. Uh, so as you're coming down, there's uh, two steps uh, to enter the garage. Um, there's that area you want to keep open so you can walk uh, down into the garage and turn and go to wherever you're going to go. Um, but that's a lot of wall space uh, <laughs> just like to the side of the steps that I kind of want to make use of. So I put up some pegboard there. The idea being um, there are going to be some things in the garage that you might want to grab to use in the house, like a roll of masking tape, a screwdriver. And so those common items I'm going to put on that wall right by the steps um, and I don't know, try and keep them semi-organized, try and keep it fairly low profile. So I was going to design and 3D print a bunch of little holders that will also slot into the uh, the wall control um, oh, nice. pegs. They've got uh, holes and uh, slots for like different uh, mounting options. Um, so I've been thinking through like how do I, like because you've got to worry about the orientation of like the layers of your print. So like you don't want something to delaminate. Like if you print mm -hmm. like um, like a dowel really tall in a printer, it, it's much easier to snap. But if you print it like lengthwise, like a like a square, um, like a prism, all those layers Lane are down. aligned, so it's it's uh, stronger in bending. Right. Really, I didn't know that so that made a, a difference when you printed it in that orientation uh, from like a. You're saying the actual part strength will be different. Uh, yeah. Right. Because the the, yeah. the layer lines are a natural. Oh, because of the way the layer lines are oriented. That's so 
Interesting. It's a deck of cards, right? Think of a deck mm -hmm. of cards. If they're all standing like this, you can split them apart real easy or bend them so you can start to fold. But once you lay them on top of each other and you try to bend them, you're never going to rip them, right? You have to so, tear it. So, that, that's how I always was taught it. So that's the exterior of it, though. But, like, isn't based off, like, the choice of what you're choosing to infill it with? Like, I'm not saying do 100%, but, I mean, like, the actual, um, like, pattern of the infill, wouldn't that also change based off the orientation right because if you're going I mean, sideways infill to not... helps to a degree okay but if a print is going to split or crack it's most likely going to be along a layer line yeah that makes sense oh wow that's so um, interesting same way you do like uh wood joints right like if you're um like doing wood the long way you want it to be vertical along it so that it's not cut it like more chances for it to snap along the wood grain i guess the same yeah. way with 3d printing that's very i never actually mm -hmm. thought about it to that level that's that's interesting yeah so these accessories that i'm planning on slotting into the the pegboard um the bits that slot into the metal i'm probably gonna have to print as a separate piece print them flat and then pry them up and slip them into the the vertical slots on the pegboard mm. and then that will have to interface with whatever box that i design how are you gonna interface um, it that's interesting well i was gonna probably do like a slip fit mm -hmm. um i'm working a couple ideas in my head right now uh you'll probably see it on instagram in a couple days cool. but um the idea is just the parts that slot into the pegboard they could be quote-unquote universal and then fit into whatever box or screwdriver holder or like pliers holder or like tape holder like that i come up with um so i'm probably going to reverse engineer what wall control has um yeah like because however their little things their lock little into hook the is like different yeah. try and match that and then go from there so it should be a fun little experiment and it's probably going to take more time than it's worth like if i <laughs> I'm preemptively calculating out how much time I'm going to spend on this design. Um, but designing and printing, I probably might as well just buy like five like Harbor Freight packs of pegboard accessories and then just make that work. Um, but I think the end result of seeing everything laid out perfectly uh, will be satisfying enough to be worth the trouble. And if you put it out for the community, like people would love to, to use that instead of buying like the expensive tool control like attachments which i like don't have any because they're just like too pricey at the at a certain point so i think there's I think be there's a always a generic version of it though like if you look on like amazon oh, really? like there there's like knockoffs mm. um and also like there are um solutions on like thingiverse or printables like other people have designed ones um i don't know if they will work for my specific uh use case but um, I have been taking inspiration from some of those designs and, cool. um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what I end up with. But, uh, right now this is the, the fun design project I have in my head and it's, it should be fairly, I don't want to say low stress because it will take a while to get to where I want to get mm -hmm. to. Um, but it's not like, um, like I could just design it and print it and let that do its thing passively while I like uh work on something else so i don't know i 
I think I'm going to enjoy it, but we shall see. <laughs> are, are you, so with these uh, printers, Luke, um, they mm-hmm. give you a bunch of sample packs of, um, there's filament support, which is amazing. If you haven't tried that yet, Winston, it's it's um, like you could, at all the interfaces where your supports touch your piece, it'll use this PLA support that like doesn't actually adhere to PLA. So it just snaps right off and like it's a perfectly clean print. Um, but they also provide a carbon infused like filament to just That's try out, which is sick. So have you have you thought about trying that and comparing it to just like purely PLA and seeing what's stronger? I don't know. I don't know if it actually makes it stronger or if it's just like cool as hell that it's like carbon infused and like smoother at the end of the day. But I'm not too sure. So, so what's uh, what's cool about the bamboo site is that. For all of the filaments, they will give you mechanical properties. So you can actually go to their website and be like, oh, this is 10% stronger, this or that. Uh, One thing to note, though, is that their percent elongation, I think, um, or strain, is at different weights for different filaments. So you kind of have to scale them and be like, oh, this one is testing with 10 pounds, this one's testing with 5 pounds. Uh, But you could work it all back and be like, all right, yeah, the the carbon fiber infused one is this much stronger uh, PLA tough versus PLA basic. Uh, there is a small difference there. Small difference with that. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. So you could you could figure out what's worth it for your application, but uh, the data is out there, which is pretty cool. That's. I awesome. remember working on some projects um, back at Navair where we were using the Mark Forge printer, which was one of the first ones that touted, "Hey, we have this carbon infused filament," and um, I remember we made a few different tools using that carbon infused stuff. And then just for fun, they also had nylon. And so we were like, all right, let's compare it. Might as well get a test out of it. And it was different. Like there was a significant difference when you used it for, say, a wrench Mm -hmm. to go around, you know, a bolt or something. Um, You could tell, hey, we could get, uh, I don't think we did any purely official like thing that we could say 50 times more. But it was significantly more where you're just, you know, trying to tighten this wrench or tighten this bolt or nut. It works perfectly fine. We could do it day after day. Whereas with the nylon one, it was pretty quick to wear down um, and start to like bend and everything. Um, Then I remember us making these different, uh, almost like pumps or turbine blades. And that was really cool to see the different materials because you could infill Kevlar as well as carbon fiber inside of it. That was pretty neat part of um, the Mark Forge printers. But yeah, like adding all that extra stuff, we kind of were skeptical about it. Like, I don't think any of this will really improve it. And sure enough, it proved us wrong. It was really neat to see how the different materials, you know, printed same orientation, all that. Uh, yeah, that they definitely were were stronger. Like there was a way to kind of see when we test it. Yeah, going with any sort of um, change in the infill, whether it be the infill material or the um, density of your infill. And then the material itself, whether you're printing with just nylon or um, the carbon infused stuff, we were seeing significant differences. And that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if um, Bamboo Labs will become more like a so they have an app that is pretty good so far. But I wonder if they're going to become more like a CAD modeling software where like you could choose the filament and because they already have all their mechanical properties like based off your design, it'll like show you the weak points Uh within like the software. That'd be That'd be huge since they already have like a lot of information. I feel like that's possible. Maybe, maybe that's in their plans. That'd be um, that'd be pretty awesome. Probably theoretically possible, um, but right now you have to look at it from the perspective of uh, where did these guys come from that made the printer. 
and they came from DJI, right? The drone company. Did they come from DJI? So, I was wondering that. Uh, some of them did, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know they know how to make a design that's, like, tightly integrated with software that, like, complements it. And I think that's the the big selling point for the bamboo printer, right? Like, the interface is, like, slick. The, the app integration is nice. You can just send a print wirelessly, monitor it. And that's all to their, like, um, their fundamentals, like, what they're good at. So, like, if they wanted to expand into that, like, uh, like a more of an engineering-oriented design space, um, that would probably require a different skill set or, like, additional hires to cover, like, who know about, um, like, modeling and simulation and stuff like that. So, maybe, uh, but I feel like that's, like, at least, like, a generation or two down the road yeah. in terms of, like, what they offer. That makes sense. But I will also say that um, uh, going back a little bit, when we first segued this topic, like I had like um, just like a not like a existential crisis, but more of just like (laughs) a looking back on it, thinking like, my God, like how primitive were we Um, like back at Navier, like the printers we had, like the refrigerator size, like plastic (laughs) filament printer, like the freezer chest size, like resin printer. If, if only we could have looked like five or 10 years into the future and seen like, oh yeah, like for like 95% of what you're doing, just get a cheap like PLA printer that takes up like the amount of space, like less than a microwave. And that'll do basically all of your prototyping with almost none of that. Like, oh yeah, you have to send the file to this guy and he's going to transfer it to the printer. And then like the other thing that I was thinking about is like all the infrastructure for this technology that we had. Um, Because that resin printer, like it had this like gelatinous like support (laughs) matrix. (laughs) And so there was this big deal of like, hey, like we've got to get a parts washer for this thing (laughs) because like just like rinsing it out in like the bathroom sink isn't good enough. We need like high pressure water to like blast this support gel off. And so then it took up like uh, it's like uh, I want to say it was like a stand up sandblasting cabinet size thing. So like Mm -hmm. it, it. larger than a microwave um with this like little pump that like blasted water at it and compared to what you're talking about george of like oh yeah these supports work great they snap off easily like how much like simpler would it have been if only we had this technology back then not even just have the technology back then because look that was a huge part of my job there (laughs) i had proposed to them i said look for the amount of money we're about to spend on this, I think it was a Fortisys or, Stra- or a Stratasys um, stand-up printer, the refrigerator size one. I said, mm-hmm. for the amount of money on this one, think of how many desktop printers we could have. Each designer could have their own printer in front of them at their desk. And when they need to print, they would do it at their time. So it would print right in front of them. They would be able to say, okay, let me take this part off, test it, do exactly what they need. Or you give the printers to each of the different codes and how much quicker the turnaround time that you could then have if everybody is now equipped with this type of machine that will start running the like iteration process your prototype iteration process that much quicker instead of yeah waiting for me to then get oh yeah i think i think i've got time for it and it's like oh my gosh you know we (laughs) With the technology we have now, now we would just be throwing out, you know, $1,000, $2,000 back then of a printer to now a $1,000, $2,000 printer that has, you know, all the bells and whistles that we really need for the next few years. 
And yeah, I just, I've thought back to that with what we do even in the school. Like, oh my gosh, I, I overspent on my Lulzbot printer uh, compared to what I'm seeing your guys' printers do. I'm thinking I could have twice as many printers now. And that's where I'm just, you know, like, all right, next year, maybe I can find something in the budget to get another bamboo printer. Well, next year, I think there's going to be even better, man. Honest. And it's so funny you guys are saying that because, like, when we're in these meetings, because I still work at Navair, right? When we're in these meetings and, like, people are, like, trying to, like, like explain like how great their lab is and their 3d printing capability i literally like whisper to like like my boss next to me all the time like i could do that like literally at my house in my room right now man <laughs> like this i don't know what they're saying so impressive about this like i have my printer running literally like non-stop and i'm printing like yeah. better detail than they are so like they gotta step it up you know and and i think like I, like this came out of nowhere now everybody's trying to mimic it or like like i think the the, the lidar part to it is huge However, I am really, really curious how long it'll last, like, because of, like, the vibrations on this thing are insane, right? But they just um, account for it really, really well. But if you put this on, like, an unstable desk, like mine is still currently, because I just don't have, the like, a stable one ready for it yet. Like, the whole machine shakes, the whole desk shakes, but the print comes out perfect because they're accounting for it internally. I am sure there are some tiny screws in this thing that are slowly starting to like dethread or like unscrew itself and eventually like will need to get repaired and I hope they'll figure that out and like there's ways we could fix it hopefully down the line and like use Loctite or whatever the heck we have to do but I can't imagine something with this high of a vibration could like stay so put together for so long. I, I just I'm curious. I don't know. We'll have to see. Because I don't know how many, like, when Prusa came out with their latest one, which I think this one, like, crushes Prusa's, in my own opinion, but Prusa's a good company. They said they have done, like, I forgot, like, how many hundreds or thousands or whatever number of hours of, like, testing on their printer. And then a lot of people in their videos would get it and be like, oh, this is kind of weird. They did all those thousands of tests, but, like, like I got, like, three faulty printers out of it, you know? And it's like... So even at that level of scale, they're testing, there's going to be issues. I can't imagine if an issue happens in this, how I'm going to be able to fix it so I can get it back up and running. And I hope, you know, I guess we'll have to see. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about that. Yeah. I mean, there's the way that printer is designed, there are parts of it that are going to be so hard to get to. Oh, yeah. That you just have to hope that they designed it and that particular sub-assembly has a high reliability um, but I mean looking back at it and like looking at it from the perspective of other consumer devices right like your phone a drone like the parts of it that are most likely to break like the display or like propellers like hopefully they put enough thought into it that like those elements are like easy to replace true um, but I mean Time will tell. I mean, this is this thing's only been out for like a year or so, and uh, from what I've heard on Instagram, like some of the earlier ones were very rapidly iterated on. It's kind of like a Tesla, right? Like the first ones were like, eh, kind of shoddy, but they learned really fast as they made them, and the ones shipping now are pretty good. So we can only hope that uh, that having bought it many months after launch, that they're gonna hold up. I'm hoping so. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping so. So, Luke, are you, with your school, doing a lot of 3D printed designs right now? or? 
Yeah, I'm hopeful when I get in on Monday, there should be something completed on the print bed. Oh, so, so you leave it running over the weekend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let it run whenever. Um, we have so many kids in the class that are learning how to 3D print that to make it practical so that they're getting their print for maybe the next class, then I have to do that. Um, lots of times what I'm trying to do is within the class itself, you know, it's like, hey, George, Winston, you guys have your prints ready? Okay, I need you two to work together, get the laptop, put your STL files in Cura, make sure it slices well, looks like the supports are there if you need them or not. Like I'm trying to get them to be the ones who are setting up the prints. Cool. And then um, from there, like they push print and it'll run. Um, they have to tell me, you know, like how long is it going to take? Um, we have a certain profile made, so it's 10% infill. They have to design with that in mind. And um, the kids aren't doing things like we started with keychains, so they could just have fun and create whatever they wanted. Cool. But they needed to have a certain size hole for a key ring to go into. Um, it had to be like you know a certain distance away from the edge, so that the edge. Um, or you know the edge of it wouldn't break but at the same time you could get the key ring into it it wasn't in the middle of say a two inch diameter disc um, so there were like little things like that where i try to give them design requiring requirements and then it's free range or nice. creative from there now we're doing these um kind of like think pinball machines or boardwalk games like ring toss oh, plinko cool. um, and they get to think about you know, what type of theme do they want to have? And then what simple machines do they want to incorporate in there? Depending on the grade, they have to incorporate anywhere from like two to four simple machines within the design. And then um, we've like gone over how do you incorporate a lever? Like in the pinball machines, you could push uh, something that then moves the arms up and down, oh, cool. maybe with a rubber band to like spring it back. So um, luckily there's a lot of people on YouTube have made similar things and we can kind of reverse engineer from there. You know, like, oh, if you want a lever, do this. If you want, um, you know, like a, I'm, I mean, a paddle, which is a lever. Yeah, I keep saying yeah. the simple machine. Um, or if you want a catapult, so another lever, here's one way you could do it with popsicle sticks. And we've tried to look at different things uh, like foosball tables. And so then the kids go into Tinkercad is the 3D modeling software oh, they've nice. been yep. using. So it's essentially digital Legos. They learned that very quickly. Uh, some people have made some pretty complex projects on there and then it really just becomes now how do you get if you have 10 kids in the class or 17 kids in the class like how do you get everybody using two printers and um you know like working together so we get as many prints on one bed but if That's you have tough. classes every 45 minutes yeah. and it doesn't print in 45 minutes it's like okay you guys will get it next class or maybe give me your five prints you guys got set up and then period six is going to finish with another five prints and then we'll set it up and tomorrow oh, everybody's wow. print will be done <laughs> so it just becomes like a interesting like organization game um, of how we get everybody's models out there so that's where when i see your guys printers printing things out with such fine detail first of all and then at the speed that they're printing that's where i just keep thinking that's what we need i don't even need the quality as much as i need the speed so that the kids can kind of you know prototype more quickly oh yeah um, but yeah that's kind of how we've been using it is um to try to customize games just get them the concept of i have this size shoe box i need to fit something in there so don't make a you know a paddle that's 10 inches long when the shoe box is nine inches long um so yeah there it it's a lot easier said than done 
because um, they don't understand how to measure. And so that was something, again, I've had to go back and explain. So, yeah, that's just a, trying to give you guys the last month of me teaching it, um, what has happened. It'd be cool. So um, for the toys I'm going to be donating this year in Christmas time, um, I'm going to be I've been reading some woodworking books on making them like with motion. So um, like as you roll the elephant, like the trunk will move up and down. Right. With like mm -hmm. internal. Uh, so like the wheel Cans. will like push a piece up and then I'll push the, the trunk up. And I was going to actually design it so that I could 3D print some of them, too. That'd be a really cool challenge to maybe I don't like maybe intermediate level students mm -hmm. um, so they could learn like those type of mechanisms of movement and it'd be really cool because then maybe they would like to help out with like creating toys that get donated at like a large scale True. around like christmas time so maybe we should talk around like your fall class or something like that yeah, um, yeah. something that'd be pretty cool to because i'm gonna need help this year i think and i think it'd be cool to get like just more and more designs out there so you know kids can get um just like something that's more like whatever they want, I guess. Like they get to choose the toy maybe or something like like that like is more like more animals, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. um or even a car could like move something, like just a different mechanisms, different designs. So that could be a really cool uh challenge, yeah. I think. Oh yeah. No, I really like that. I'm I'm gonna write that down because I'm also rewriting the curriculum this summer. So I get to kind of think a little bit further into, you know, how do I wanna um uh, present to the students the different types of projects and what we're trying to learn within the classes. So I'm assuming those toys that you're talking about are using some sort of cam. And that was one of the simple machines, yep. or I was calling them a, a mechanical component, yep, exactly, yep. which I think I totally confused the kids. once. I was like, there's simple machines and there's mechanical components. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so uh, there's a book out actually now, Nuts and Bolts by Roma. Yeah. I forget her last name. I see. And I, yeah, I want to read that because I really liked her take on the like new version of the seven simple machines, at least in her opinion. And it made me kind of rethink how I rep uh, presented it to the students of, you know, hey, these are the six simple machines that people way back in the day chose. And now I can kind of maybe modify that uh, for the students to better understand or better grasp it. And then maybe like you're saying, bring it into something like a toy that they would be interested in. So we should, maybe we'll talk like after this, because mm -hmm. we could reach out to Bamboo Labs, I'm thinking, and maybe they'll even be willing to donate a printer to their school if they're True. like a part of like the fundraiser, right? For getting these toys that we're doing a design competition. We'll make a video about it and maybe like newsletter or something. Maybe we could make yeah. this like a bigger thing because that, that'd be pretty cool. And then you guys can get a Bamboo Labs printer and then we'd be Yeah, be right. Set. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. That would be sweet. They gave a bunch yeah, of them away. So I feel like they'd be like up for um, mm -hmm. doing it for like a good cause. So. Yeah. Yeah, and and Bamboo Labs, if you're listening, I already had one student buy a printer. Uh, you know, the kid was like, "Oh my God, I love 3D he printing." He bought it. I've got, yeah, he went ahead. And, he didn't buy Bamboo Labs. It was, um, I think it was a Prusa. I forget Probably which one. It was about like two, three hundred dollars. Oh, okay. He's like, "I have, I have the savings and all this." I'm like, please talk to whoever is at home and get <laughs> this okayed before you go ahead and do that. But yeah, and he even showed me, he had printed out, he loves to read. 
and um, he came up with this idea of a book wedge. Yep. And so he 3D modeled it and um, printed it. And to be honest, I think the proofs of the his printer had a better quality than our Lowsbot version yeah. that yeah that he made in class. So yeah, it's just one of those things where. You know, I'm about what eight months too late on that bamboo labs, um, but I, hey, it'll be fine because cool. it is doing what we need it to do, and uh, we have a lot of new filament that I was able to get. So we have some carbon filament that I want to try. Oh, you have out. carbon filament, nice. Yeah, so, yeah, I bought that. So film. just be careful because I think carbon infused filament you need an enclosure for when you're printing it because of um, like some byproducts of the fumes or and stuff. Well, not the okay. I forgot what it was, um, but just. Take a look. Maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought I read that in there. Okay. Um, that's honestly one of the reasons I went for the carbon over like the skeleton because I was like, I'm going to need an enclosure anyways because of like now I can start printing in any material. I'll just like get the one like I'll just get the best one instead of the skeleton version because uh, the skeleton one was really like at that price point. It was hard to say no to, but I was like, let me just step it up and get the, the full thing here. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Two quick questions. Uh, first for you, Luke. Okay. Um, do you know what size nozzle you're using on your printers at school? I think it's the 0.5 diameter, I want to say. Okay. Hmm. Um, as long as it's not 0.4. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a video that came out a couple months ago. I'll send it to you guys later. Um, where the guy was saying the 0.4 nozzles, like they used to be like considered like the default for like the best compromise between speed and quality. Um, but the new slicers are good enough that you can use larger diameter nozzles oh, yeah. to print faster, and the quality difference is almost negligible. So if like speed is a concern and like you don't have the budget to get a whole new line of printers, um, upgrading to a larger nozzle size could be a good compromise to be like, if, unless they're printing like really fine text like on their their prints yeah, or something. Yeah, text doesn't work unless they're looking for like like large shapes, blocks, holes, and and just general geometry. Um, the larger diameter nozzle might be useful uh, just to speed things up by like 10, 20, 30 percent. Dude, by yeah. more if you if so, if it's if it's like a big piece they're printing or there's like once it's saying not, not fine details, all my sculptures were printed with a 1.0 millimeter nozzle. And that like it shaved well, off hour like oh, from a whole scale days and weeks honestly like wow. i when i was doing the covid masks everybody didn't understand how i was printing them so fast because they would take like one mask per like 12 hours or something and i was popping out a mask every three hours compared to everybody else and they like you don't need wow. like it it's it's perfect thickness yeah. it was perfect like it came out exactly as we needed it with the 1.0 millimeter so winston's completely huh. right on that okay Hey, that's good to think about because I know we're doing our uh, purchase orders and like requests for next year. So maybe I'll just throw in some different uh, oh, size sure. nozzles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then for you, George, have you gone through and printed a, a couple of the stock bamboo projects? So I printed this guy. Oh, sorry for the noise. This little dinosaur puzzle. That okay. was fun. Um, and then I'm printing the razor blade one next. Well, honestly, I just got so excited after I did the dinosaur. I just wanted to make sure like it, like the quality came out exactly like I needed that I just went right into like um, these like mini figs. So now this is my next one for Jack Sparrow. Like the, this is nuts, Ooh. right? Like the quality is yeah. just like absolutely nuts. I haven't cleaned this up at all, by the way, yet. This is just how he came out without supports. Oh it's like crazy. So and... and so I just I just got too excited. So I, I literally just kept making 
everything I've wanted to make. Like I'm starting to buy people's designs because I'm like, well, I just I'm just like printing more faster than I can design stuff at this point, you know. And I'll just like mm-hmm. keep it running. <laughs> so I haven't like I'm like you. Like I printed like one thing and I was like, all right, this is good to yeah. go. And I started racing <laughs> off to do my own designs. But I've seen some of the default prints from other people. And, like, they're not going to blow your mind, but, like, they do help you think, like, oh, like, this is a, a print-in-place mechanism. This is using the flexibility of PLA to do, like, a really simple hinge. Oh, um, interesting. They would be good to give you a baseline of, like, different techniques you could try and emulate when you're designing your toys, when you're trying to design something for, like, to move uh, or to snap together. Um, so just, like, just to have them or to see them and feel them and, like, manipulate them would probably be good just to like give you some ideas for how you can use those techniques in your own designs i like that a lot um i'm gonna take a shot at that probably soon then i have a few more of these i want to print but like you know one thing i did as fast as i could because i just got too excited because this was really hard to do on other printers like i printed in tpu really fast so like i actually made like flexible prints i'm like this is insane like it's like a like a, a bungee cord of a filament you can pull it and like it's nuts and then you, you can't use it with the, the their like multi-material system but you put it in from the back and it like it came out so cool and i had to do nothing right like i just told it, it was tpu and it like did everything for me and i was like all right this is amazing and then i did the carbon infused i did the film like i'm doing wood filament for all these like yeah I, i'm with you i'm gonna try some of those like stock prints but i just I can't stop at this point. I love it's it's too much fun. Like I can only imagine what a kid can do. Like because like my imagination is like more limited. I think as I'm like older at this point, like <laughs> a kid can go nuts, right? Like I'd be printing. I don't know. Like everything. I don't know. Well, so see, George, that's where it's interesting. Is remember I was like so excited to ask him like, hey, what would you do now that you have a 3D printer and all that? Their imagination is limited because I think they've almost been taught for things to be created to be limited so now that they have gotten to use it they've gotten way more creative so i had um one student uh he made a yoshi egg i mean an egg he drew on the green parts of it yeah so i figured you would like this part so yoshi egg that inside of the egg um is this cylinder that has 10 different slots for nintendo switch games So That's the great. egg is hot, <laughs> and then you can slide this cylinder into it, and it looks like a Yoshi egg from the outside. And then when you lift the egg up, you now expose ten different games on there. And this, oh my god, I'm, I wish he was in my class. I had him during state testing, and once the kids were done, like they were allowed to use their Chromebooks, and the kids were like, "What is this Tinkercad? Everybody's talking about Tinkercad." I was like, "All right, go on the website." I taught him. I actually I shouldn't even say it that way. He taught himself how to 3D model in less than a day. That's amazing. Like he went on there, started thinking about it. He was like, "Hey, could I make something like this?" I was like, "That sounds like a really cool idea. Let's see what you do." He must have gone home that night, made the model. When he came in, there were a few things we had to tweak just to make it more printable and sure, stuff. Yeah. But dude, I was like so excited when I saw that. He was in 6th grade, not in any of my classes. Like there's no design thinking background, anything like that. And like he understood it. I was drawing images of an egg and stuff on the board, like trying to show, look, like you need it to insert into this hole here. And he was completely following everything I was oh, saying. That's amazing. And so, I, oh my God. And I don't want to give like too much more. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say of the student and stuff sure, sure. for privacy purposes, but he, I know, is within like a certain 
like within school they kind of they don't track you anymore like they might have used to but he won't be in like the higher level maths mm-hmm. and things of that and i'm looking at him like <laughs> what he did with this print is by far so much further like intellectually to be able to break down like a 3d model of something that doesn't exist yet he put it in That's digitally amazing. understood okay you know supports and whatnot I was like, dude, this is unreal. And it was probably the biggest thing that we had printed um, up until that point. And so, you know, not even being in my class, I was like, yeah, 100%, we got to print this out to show other students what you could do when you start thinking about what is the issue I have at home? Oh, I've got Nintendo Switch games laying all over my desk. I lose them, whatever. I like Yoshi. So here, I'm going to combine all this together. I solved the problem and I made it look cool. That's awesome. That's exactly what like 3D printing is about. And from a kid's perspective, it's something that they want. Um, you know, like thinking about your toys that you talked yeah, about, yeah. even like that puzzle. Um, yeah, it's just, it was really neat seeing that. Um, I, yeah. I think it'd be cool to do like a video on like finding something really complex that somebody has like designed 20 years ago or even one of our earlier projects that we made and like, like how can we make this differently better or how fast can we now make it that you have like a 3D printer? I'm like going back to like the Voldemort wand we made, Winston, with their CNC, like that like took a lot of detail and precision and now we could probably just like 3d printed parts and like 100 percent info and be like perfect and save a lot of time and energy and, and look great because you could do like wood fil- wood infused wood film it, you know like that'd be mm-hmm. i don't know and then some airbrushing you could learn a new technique and that's what i want to that's yeah. what i want to expand to next like the one thing i'm realizing is like i i gotta get good at knowing how to paint like there's so many different types of paint there's like the level of detail I have, I don't know how to do it. I, I need to get better at that next, I think. <laughs> do some of those paint and sip classes that Adrian right? and I went to. Yeah, look, we've got one of our paintings right over here. If you can oh, see. nice. Oh, look at that detail That's of beautiful. a tree and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So, oh, my God. But no, it was interesting even just seeing how they go about thinking of a 2D image. And it's similar to what we go through. Like they break it down into, oh, you start with the background or the dark colors. And um, here you leave this empty. And it's like, whoa, as it all comes together, it's like, I see now you don't just look at an image like, oh, I'll paint the moon first and then I'll do this. Like there is a lot of a process to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely want to talk to you more about the whole uh toys like using cams it. or whatever i'm, I'm yeah, very interested I'm, in doing that so maybe we'll, yeah, we'll to see what the kids I'll will send come you up the with pictures of like the book i read from it because i want to make it different because it's like his protected design so I'm, i was going to make my mm-hmm. own and i want to create even different mechanisms and and all that so that um you know he's like not angry that it's his designs type of thing but, like the author and all that so so yeah, yeah. We, we can figure all that kind of out yeah it looks like we're coming then, down to our time soon but what were you gonna say yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing with Winston saying about those default prints. If you guys do end up printing them, I don't know if they're Instagram worthy by any means, but if you don't post them, um, could you just send me a picture of them? Because yeah. that was one thing that it was hard to explain to the students. I had shown them a time lapse video of a baby group being printed and a couple of things like that to just show them why you have to 
maybe uh, print things in multiple pieces because mm -hmm. of supports and then how you could maybe use different joint uh, methods like joinery techniques because you know they don't understand that concept of mm -hmm. finger joints lap joints any of that so if there are hinges and um, different like sizes and shapes of what can be printed even if it's your printer like that's sure. fine i just want them to be able to see with hard plastic like say PLA it still could be flexible if it has the right geometry I was trying to explain that actually this week and I was showing them like a almost like a caterpillar or oh, a worm a I'm like look if you if you push both ends don't you think there's enough room between each uh, line that goes up and down that could start to touch each other and like some kids are like yeah yeah that makes sense and other kids are like I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about so that's where I need some sort of model that maybe I could look at. I could just do a quick replica of it um, and then print it. So then they have this tactile thing in front of them to mess around with and maybe use that in a future design. Uh, but yeah. That's yeah, awesome. totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, this has been fun, man. It's, it's fun to talk this through all this stuff yeah. with you guys. Um, yeah, I think we'll end yeah. it for today and we'll catch up, I think, and, and talk some more toy design offline. <laughs> Yep, sounds good. <laughs> All right, that was good catching up with you guys. Yeah, great to talk with you guys. Always yep. inspiring. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>